BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. My name is Michael Kammer. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I literally don't listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore, but my roommate is making me do this. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Thank you for joining us and welcome to episode 316 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore. And sitting across from me, all co-hosty and such, Brittany Page. We got an interesting letter in the to the P.O. box. Oh, the uh, the the grandma birthday letter. The grandma. Well, there was cash inside, uh-huh. and I haven't had cash sent to me mm. for uh, who knows. You know, when the grandma used to stuff the old cash in a. In a in a greeting card. Oh, is that what grandparents do? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Wah, wah, wah. That didn't last long for me. <laughs> I wasn't uh I wasn't favorited. Mm. <laughs> is it because of the political arguments? No, no. I'm oh. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> Weren't the favorite. But we did. We received a, a joint birthday letter from a listener. Yep. Sent to the P.O. box. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jesse. The, hey... P- the P.O. box that we had to establish because of death threats. Exactly. So it's the death P.O. box. Which will also come into play later in the letter. <laughs> it doesn't have a death threat, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Wow. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. Happy birthday to both of you. I apologize that this won't reach you on your birthdays. Sorry. You two do great work. I would have sent cookies, but you quite rightly said you wouldn't eat them after the trip to California. So instead, I'll give you my favorite easy recipe for peanut butter cookies. I hope you aren't allergic. And then there's a recipe written. Yeah. Recipe that we're not going to read because it might be like a secret family recipe. We don't want to share the biz. Okay. All over the street. I guess. Yeah. And then he says, P.S. I hope you accept cash donations to the show. 
Sincerely, Conrad from uh, Kansas. Wow. (laughs) I don't know what just happened there. (laughs) Uh, Well, they are bordering states. mm, Okay. That's good. Um, So thank you, Conrad. Yeah, so we got a cash donation, and he's correct that if he would have sent cookies, we would not have eaten them. Well, it's... It sounds dickish, but just imagine, I mean, the reason we got the goddamn P.O. Box in the first place is because of literal death threats. Uh-huh. Because people on YouTube are goddamn crazy. Yes. And so we got a P.O. Box. Yeah. And, and anyone could be posing as Conrad from Kansas. Well, that's right. It's, it's, it, 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 <laughs> someone could pose as a fan of the show, mail us cookies... That they, at the very least, just like rub their dick on. Mm. I mean, the worst, it could be something in there that's fatal. A dick rubbed cookie is not fatal, Brittany. It's just real, real gross. Yeah, it's still not a, (laughs) it's not a good time, right? Uh, Or it could be like the pie from The Help, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. Made with special ingredients. That, 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 I think that could be fatal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not good. No. So we don't want that to happen. So, but we've had foodstuffs sent to us before, but just via like Amazon and... Also sealed. And it's Well, it's from the manufacturer. Yes. So unless the person happens to work at the manufacturing facility and is doing some surreptitious dick rubbing, it's unlikely. Uh, yeah. 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 But we do we do enjoy going to the PO box and finding a little treat there because most of the time it's just advertisements from Chase. That's so. right. <laughs> and a company I used to have with a, a with my best friend mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. that all of a sudden is I'm getting mail for now. Yeah. Which is fucking bizarre. Well, they follow you. They track you. It's a little creepy. <laughs> it really is creepy. Yeah. This was uh, 15, no, not quite 15 years ago, but a long time ago. Uh-huh. And the, the name of the company is getting the mail, care of Jesse Dollimore. To the P.O. Box. To the P.O. Box, yeah, which is no connection. The P.O. Box only has a connection to this show. Right. To this program. Mm-hmm. We, we, we've never used it for anything else. Nope. Just uh, for avoiding death threats. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> It serves a very important purpose. Yeah. <laughs> People are always surprised to learn that, I think, but... Well, it's because they know me and they're like, he's not that hateable. Well, and I, I know he's a hateable guy, but he's not death threat hateable. I also feel bad because <laughs> I I get added on Facebook and I do add uh, fans of the show on Facebook because my Facebook, I don't you really... hear that, everybody? I don't really use my Facebook for posting a lot of personal things it's more uh news articles, articles yeah. um, psychology stuff so increasing the quotient of intelligence across the globe well britney page let's not go that far but um i have to there's no method to figure out if someone is a uh, murderer or a normal person <laughs> right so it's really it's right. kind of scary you know um so i try to if, so, listen, if someone friend requests me, I, I, I've we, over the course of the last year, I recently uh, added a whole bunch of people. I think I probably had 400 Facebook friends before, and now I've got about 2,000. It's because I, I do, for the most part, uh, accept them, 
But if you've got your your Facebook page on lock, it's all locked down. I can't see how many friends you have. If you you only have like a picture of flowers as your profile picture, that's murderer. Boop. Yeah, you're, you're murderer. You yeah. just get to follow me, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. So I reject that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've made we're way off the rails here. But there's been times where I've I've accepted friend requests, and I don't really make it a habit of deleting or blocking people. In fact, I'm fundamentally it kind of rubs me the wrong way so i've got people who followed me just to fuck with me or friend request and they're still there just every month or so i they start being a dick yeah on facebook Mm -hmm. that's what happens obviously it's what it is yeah yeah all right well listen we're gonna forego emails and voicemails this show um we've had we have a lot of voicemails and emails that still cover the Philando Castile verdict and the subsequent shows 314 and 315 that we did and I also posted on YouTube. We appreciate all of your feedback, all of your emails and voicemails. Every single one was both read or listened to in its entirety and your opinion is appreciated. Uh, We got the passionate call from Ethan from New York City and a lot of people um, agreed wholeheartedly with Ethan. And I-, I wanted to say one thing before we move on, and that is I didn't disagree with Ethan. Other than the fact that I thought optimism is the right course, I didn't disagree that things are still a bummer for the black community. Mm-hmm. That there is a system of white supremacy in place in the United States. I didn't say he didn't have anything to be disheartened about or sad about. But, you know, it's it's the whole Martin Luther King Jr. quote that the, the moral arc of, of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a slow road changing these systemic systems of, of, of oppression in America. But slowly, far slower than it should be, we're getting there. That's what I was getting at. So thanks, you guys. We, we appreciate it very much. Um, we're just going to forego the emails and the voicemails this show because there was way too much to get to. And uh, I guess I'll, in the spirit of not playing voicemails and emails, I'll drop the phone number. <laughs> so you can call if you'd like to communicate with the show. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All that we ask is that you keep those voicemails and uh, voice memos to under two minutes. Thank you, and we love you guys so much. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and Good-looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Now, these are real names that I'm about to read. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Okay. Janine? Janine. Well, that, that's a real name. Becca's dad? Becca's dad. And astronaut Mike Dexter. <laughs> astronaut Mike Dexter. Mm-hmm. Wow, well, we have an astronaut 
supporter of the show. Pretty impressive. Yeah. For those who don't get the reference, 30 Rock. Yeah, the show 30 Rock. Yeah. And when we looked up the address of this particular character, <laughs> because we're going to be sending stickers. Yeah. The address mm-hmm. is 30 Rockefeller Center. Yeah. New York, New York. Yeah. So astronaut Mike Dexter's not getting stickers <laughs> because I'm not mailing <laughs> the stickers to 30 Rock in New York. Yeah. That's like sending stickers to Santa Claus North Pole <laughs> and expecting someone to get them. Yeah. You could write care of Liz Lemon. <laughs> so anyway, thanks you guys for your support very much. We appreciate it. And it is moving us closer and closer toward our third episode per week. That is awesome. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So a story that I've been asked about a lot. We've been emailed a lot about it. And I've even been harassed online on YouTube about it. Maybe even the Facebook page. And that is this this investigation that may or may not be happening that is floating around both Jane Sanders and Bernie Sanders. So I wanted to talk about it briefly. Jane Sanders, the wife of Senator Bernie Sanders, is under federal investigation for possible fraud. Investigators are looking into claims that Jane Sanders misrepresented donor numbers to get a loan for the now-closed Burlington College. She was the institution's president from 2004 to 2011. In 2010, Sanders was trying to get a $10 million loan to expand the school's grounds. To get the loan, the college had to have a minimum of $2.27 million in grants and donations to pay the loan back. Documents show she claimed to have $2.6 million in donations. But according to the man who filed the complaint, the chairman of President Donald Trump's Vermont campaign, those numbers were inflated. Now, Politico reports the Sanders have hired two high-profile attorneys to defend them against the allegations. Politico also reports feds may be looking into claims that Bernie Sanders used his political influence to urge the bank to approve the loan. Sanders has called all of the allegations nonsense. So, that's big news, if true. And I I would say this, it does give me pause that it's Donald Trump's, the chair of his Vermont campaign, who raised the suspicions with what would seem to me to be confidential information. How would he have the information of how much they had in donations in the fund Mm -hmm. and how much they didn't have? Mm -hmm. I mean, Vermont's a small state. So it's, you know, it, there's not a lot of uh, moving parts or as many in like a state like California or New York or Texas. You know, it's a tiny little state where a lot of people know each other because it's, it's like Idaho without the geography. <laughs> yeah. And that gives me a little pause because I, I it might just be my bias. It might just be my my prejudice against Donald Trump and his organization. But it seems to me that dirty politics out of that particular campaign would be far more prevalent, even lending themselves toward fraud, doing things that are unethical, like sparking investigations that wouldn't normally happen. So on Tuesday, Bernie Sanders responded to these allegations on Aaron Burnett's show. 
Senator, before we go, just one other question. Uh, we understand your wife has hired a lawyer to represent her in a possible probe into a land deal that fell apart. This was back when she was president of Burlington College. No, of it was not when state. she was. Okay. Uh, Let me say a word on that. You know, yeah. Well, I, I just want to ask you, it, do you know wife, she's under FBI me, investigation? Excuse me. My wife is about the most. I, I'm going to stop there. It's not a good look for Bernie Sanders when he's cutting her off. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's very Trump-esque, if you ask me. It, it's strange, and it's out of character for him as well, I think, um, because she's just trying to finish her question, and yeah. it's obvious that he maybe is feeling a little sensitive to being asked about this issue. Yeah. For me, though, not a good look. Honest person I know. Mm -hmm. When she came to that college, it was failing financially and academically. When she left it, it was in better shape than it ever been. Five years later, just at the moment, coincidentally, no doubt, when I'm a candidate for president of the United States, Donald Trump's campaign manager, a coach, vice chairman of the Republican Party in Vermont, launched this uh, investigation. So all that I will tell you now, Aaron, it is a sad state of affairs in America, not only when we have, you know, politicians being destroyed, public when there are attacks against elected officials, when you go after your wife, people's wives, that is pretty pathetic. And that's where we are right now. And that's about all that I'm going to say. I, I do just want to understand, though, at this time, do you have any knowledge as to whether she's under FBI investigation? That's all that I want to say, and we'll let it play out. But I think it's fairly pathetic that when, you know, people are involved in public life, it's not only that they get attacked, but it's their wives and their families that they get attacked. That's what this is about. Senator Sanders. So he's saying that this is politically motivated. Yes. Right. Um, and I think it's interesting because a lot of uh, Trump supporters are talking about this and saying, hey, look at your boy, Bernie, under FBI investigation. Looks like trouble. But uh, you're, you're, you're putting it very you're painting them in about as nice a light as I've ever heard or because I've witnessed these comments and. Well, that's the gist. It's more aggressive than that. Right. But that's the gist of it. Right. right. Um, yeah. But but what do they say about Donald Trump being under investigation? Well, Does they, it look like trouble for him? <laughs> well, they deny. They just deny he's under investigation still. Yeah. And <laughs> we talked about this on the Patreon only Google Hangout call. Yes. Good time. Where someone asked me, but do you think that pointing out this hypocrisy is useful? And I've been thinking about that question a lot because I don't think so. But how can I stop? <laughs> yeah. Because it's so obvious and very frustrating that people are so disconnected from logic and reason when it comes to political issues. Yeah. Um, it's You can't criticize the Sanders family and say that it's meaningful that they're under FBI investigation and then discount another FBI investigation because it's your guy. And that goes both ways. Yeah. You can't be someone like you and me, Brittany, who talks about the Trump investigation and the ongoing special prosecutor in Bob Mueller related to Donald Trump and the Russia connections and obstruction of justice and ignore when something like this happens to a high-profile senator, former presidential candidate, 
in Bernie Sanders. Right. But people have also been asking you, well, why aren't you doing videos about this? Well, that's and just... I would say that, that it is a different uh, priority level. For sure. Right. Donald Trump is president of the United States. This is the wife of Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I don't know. It, it seems. Well, it's also it's a, a, a budgetary thing of my time. It takes a lot of time yeah. to sit down and write what you're going to say. Yeah. To record what you say and then edit and post. It's just. Right. Uh, it's not as big a deal to me as the undermining of the democracy of the United States by Russia, possibly aided by Donald Trump. Right. And I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth where I say that it's important, but then I say it's something that you shouldn't be doing a video on. But I genuinely believe in terms of the priority for what people should be focusing on. Yeah. Is it Jane Sanders or is it the president of the United States? Yeah, I for think, sure. I think there's a clear um, priority. <laughs> well, it's it is it's also a personal choice. I have a YouTube channel that I run and I maintain and I control and I get to fucking put on there whatever I want. I constantly get comments. Why don't you do a video about that? You know what? If you ha you, ha you obviously have a YouTube account, you go do a video <laughs> on that and put it out there on YouTube so it's out there for an audience to, to watch. Mm -hmm. If not, then shut the fuck up. If it's so important to you that a video gets out there about Bernie Sanders, then do the goddamn video. <laughs> Why do I imagine that they're sitting right here with me and I'm yelling at them? I, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking it's just fans that want to hear more from the Jesse D. Anyway, but I guess you're you're speaking specifically to the the trolls. Right. Mm -hmm. But I am bothered that he won't. Again, he's he's kind of taken a, a, a play out of Trump's playbook, and he won't even comment on whether there's an investigation. Yeah. What's the what's the harm in that? I, I, it just, it, to me, it's, it seems like obfuscation. Mm -hmm. He's not, he's not dealing with it on, on uh, earnestly, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it's disappointing because I have, you know, a, a, a decent level of respect for Bernie Sanders and his, his level of ethics. <laughs> Bums me out. We'll see. We'll yeah. keep following it as it develops, but it's certainly something we're not going to avoid. We're not avoiding. All right. Well, over the last week, 10 days, there have been, there's been a, we've talked about it briefly, but there's been this trend in the White House to not record and not put on video live White House press conferences, the, the daily press briefing that has gone on for generations. What they do when they don't record the video or, or broadcast the video is they record the particular briefing and then a few hours later, they allow it to be broadcast. Mm -hmm. This is very weird. And it seems to me that it's just stepping toward not having briefings at all, but they know if they just stop briefings, there's going to be outrage. But if they slowly move that way, it will desensitize everybody right. to where it's not as big a deal. Well, a reporter, we'll call him a reporter. He's actually a, I guess, reporter <laughs> <laughs> for Playboy magazine. He, he kind of 
sent a shot across the bow at Sarah Huckabee Sanders about the, the lack of transparency in this White House. Had Deputy White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders blasting coverage of the Russia investigation, sparring with reporters at yesterday's press briefing, and one of the exchanges uh, was something you need to hear. Here it is. I hope that uh, outlets that have continued to use either unnamed sources, sometimes stories with no sources at all. Uh, We've been going on this Russia-Trump hoax for the better part of a year now with no evidence of anything. Uh, Things like the success at the VA barely get covered. They may get covered for an hour at a time, but this story gets covered day in, day out, and I think America is frankly looking for something better. Come on, you're inflaming everybody right here and right now with those words. This administration has done that as well. Why in the name of heavens? Any one of us, right, are replaceable, and any one of us, if we don't get it right, the audience has the opportunity to turn the channel or not read us. I think I you think, have been elected to serve for four years at least. There's no option other than that. We're I here think, to ask you questions. Right. We're here to provide the answers. And what you just did is inflammatory to people all over the country who look at it and say, see, once again, the president's right and everybody else out here is fake media. And everybody in this room is only trying to do their job. Well, I, I just I, I disagree completely. First of all, I think if anything has been inflamed, uh, it's the dishonesty that often takes place by the news media. All right, joining us now is the reporter you saw in that exchange. His name is Brian Karam. He's the executive editor for Sentinel Newspapers. I don't like bullies. I've been tired of being bullied. I've been tired of being blamed. I've been called uh, an enemy of the people. We've been uh, told that we're all fake media. I respect what the White House does. It's not wrong for the spokesman for the White House and for the president to come out and put their spin on things. As Larry Speaks once said, don't tell us how to stage the news and we won't tell you how to report it. But at the end of the day, I've been browbeaten for six months and told I'm the enemy. And uh, to be quite honest, it's not accurate. And uh, I think it's it's driving a wedge between us and the public, and I think it's undermining the fourth estate. I think it's uh, very detrimental to the, the Constitution and the foundation of the Republic. And those people in that room are merely trying, as I said to Sarah, trying to do their job. Now, the way I see this, it's kind of a lose-lose for journalists. It's a lose-lose. This taking place is a lose-lose for the media. Because one of the reasons the White House gave for pulling back on televised coverage is the fact that they say reporters just want their, their, their broadcastable soundbite. They want their moment in the sun on TV to get good ratings. And then this happens, and he goes, it became more of an argument than it was a question-answer. And I think they fed in, he fed in to the White House's narrative. I think that's fine. Um, I, I had that thought too, but ultimately this needs to be said. And I'm sick of Sarah Huckabee Sanders walking into that room with her little jokes, trying to make everyone laugh as though everyone is friendly in that room. This is not a friendly situation. This is not a uh, normal working relationship between the White House and the press. And that's for sure. Every true. day she gets up there and lies. 
just lies. Lies. Lie after lie after lie. That is the way to characterize it. And there's no way for anyone to push back. Yeah. And someone has to start pushing back. They should all start pushing back. And I think it was yesterday's press briefing or maybe the day before where she was saying lies and you could hear someone in the audience yelling a rebuttal every time she said a lie. Like when she said that Donald Trump has never incited violence. He talked about punching people in the face. I mean, you could hear someone saying things. Like instant fact check. Yeah. And that's what needs to be. Why are we pretending? Why are we pretending? Well, I think what happens is the media gets caught up in this, this, uh, the normal form of decorum, the normal way to deal with an administration, which is with deference because it's the, the office of the president. And because they get caught up in that cycle, which is a natural, decent cycle to be in, it puts them at a disadvantage because this isn't a normal White House. This press office isn't run like a normal operation. It really is a factory churning out lie after lie after lie in many different forms, sometimes different lies about one particular topic. And the media is playing catch up on how to adjust their game and deal with them. But to your point, Sean Spicer does have ammunition for his argument that the cameras should be shut off because people just want to become YouTube celebrities because this Brian Kareem, when this first happened, I was watching it live and I was following Twitter live and reporters that I follow started tweeting, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And I figured out it was him because someone tweeted one of those people and said it was him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, super sleuth. I, I, <laughs> I followed him and he had about 300 followers. Yeah. Wow. Now he has almost 78,000. No kidding. Followers. 78. You were you were refreshing the page when it was going from like 3000 to 3500. I think yeah. at the end of the when we were looking at it. Yeah. It was not even 10,000 yet. Mm-hmm. And now he's almost 80,000. Yep. God damn. Yeah. That is uh pretty quick. That's almost 80,000, Brittany. It also says something <laughs> it also says something about what the American people appreciate though. This was a moment where I think a lot of people who follow politics and watch the press briefings, it is a maddening part of the day. Oh, yeah. And it certainly is for me. Maybe this fed into a a lower impulse. A reptilian brain. Yeah, but <laughs> it felt so good. It felt so good to listen to this. Yeah. Because she is, I think she's more frustrating than Sean Spicer. Uh, I think that she goes a little bit lower than Sean Spicer. Well, but I think she doesn't wear frustration on her face like Sean I think it pains Sean Spicer to lie. It doesn't seem to pain her at all. No. It seems to be very fluid. Very natural. Mm-hmm. Second nature. Yeah. To be a fucking stone cold liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, a lot of journalists are fed up with this. Don Lemon had Jim Acosta, who's being iced out. Jim Acosta is the White House correspondent for CNN. They don't take questions from him. They do not take questions from Jim Acosta. He has to scream and yell and try to get someone to their attention to answer a question mm-hmm. because they are boxing out CNN. Yeah. Fox News gets their question. MSNBC even gets their question. Mm-hmm. But CNN, all that tells me is CNN 
They're getting the job done. <laughs> they, they take these Skype calls from people that basically have Make America Great Again hats on. Right. That are in their parents' basement. I mean, I mean <laughs> the connection is terrible. They can hardly, the Wi-Fi is not working. It's embarrassing, the people that they take questions from. It, it really is embarrassing. Someone literally prefaced their question with, um, I'm not going to ask about the tweets. I'm going to ask something about making America great again. I mean, they literally no, used the, the slogan. That is what he said. And so they're not taking questions from people who are actually going to be critical. They're taking questions from fanboys through a Skype connection. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. Well, like I said, uh, this is Don Lemon, and he has Jim Acosta on, and the ten- the tension, the frustration, is what I mean to say. The frustration is v- very recognizable, palpable. I am right. surprised, and quite honestly, that more people aren't outraged, and I am surprised that the White House press, uh, the White House Correspondents Press Association, has not taken a harder stance on this. And I am surprised that everyone sitting in that room, that you're the only one standing out there on a limb saying this is not right. If, well, if, my friend if, April Ryan did chime in today uh, and say April, that was a legitimate April's question. April's going to come in, uh, and I'm, I'm going to bring her in. But, but, but let me I, say this, Don, Jim, I think it's a great this. question. Here's yeah, what I, I want to yeah. say: if I'm if I'm a member of the White House press corps. And Fox News asks a question and Sean Spicer doesn't answer, then I'm going to ask the same question. And if they don't answer that question at CNN, then I would expect NBC and CBS and ABC and the AP and everybody else to ask the question, especially the one about why aren't the cameras rolling over and over and over again until you get an answer or until they're fed up with and and, of not answering. But I think the camera. I'm glad he said that because that's what you've been saying. Yes. For months. Yeah. When, when a question gets dodged or slapped away or avoided altogether, mm-hmm. why doesn't the next reporter have the, that previous reporter's back and, and say, Yo, no, I want an answer to that question. Right. There needs to be solidarity in there. Yeah. And, and largely right now there is, but I think it needs to be very entrenched in a pattern of behavior that the White House knows you're not going to be able to avoid. Mm-hmm. Answering the tough questions. And it's not as though you're going to miss out on some amazing information. These press briefings are largely pointless. They are maddening. You you don't hear anything new. You don't get any beneficial information. So, I mean, it's not like someone's you're going to miss the opportunity to ask a question that's going to change the game. Yeah. Lemon and Acosta continue. I think that someone has to take a stand and turn the cameras on and see what the ramifications are because they can't kick everybody out. And it is the American people's cameras and not the White House cameras. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I I am outraged by this. I can't believe that people aren't standing up for uh, for this. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And and let me ask it this way. Let's put it another way. Let's say during the Obama administration, during the height of the Obamacare debate, the Obama White House said, we're turning the cameras off in the briefing room. Mm-hmm. What would I mean, people would lose their minds in this town. What if the, the cameras were turned off during the Benghazi investigation? What would our friends over at Fox News say about that? And so, I, you know, this is not a partisan issue. It's this not. is about access. And when you turn the cameras off, you are taking away a layer of accountability. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. And I, I don't know why this is being caught up in some sort of partisan debate mm-hmm. uh, and why we're, we're being cast in a certain way by yeah. raising this issue. This yeah. is just about openness and transparency in government. What are the politicians hiding? Yeah. Why would anybody be afraid to, to try to get to the bottom of that? So it makes me wonder, what's the next step? for the White House Press Association. 
why 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 are they allowing this to happen? There's got to be some kind of solution or active resistance that they can go through to to get the coverage out uh, right away. Right. Well, people have been kind of pushing for reporters to just take out their own phone and start putting it on Facebook Live. Oh, yeah. Or recording That's an it. Awesome idea. Or recording it with their phone. And then putting it up later or whatever. Yeah. Um, but everyone now has a camera in That's their right. pocket. You have a t- television studio in your goddamn pocket. Yeah. So. And it's lit for TV. Show us. Yes. You're in there. Take out your phone. Get kicked out. What, are they going to kick everyone out? I mean, it, we're already headed for this anyway. Let's just uh, let's just do it. <laughs> we'll have it be revolt. Have it be a spectacle. Because it raises the level of the conversation to a national one. Right. Right now, it's only like news files. People like us who are into it. Yeah. And people who listen to our show. Mm -hmm. But there needs to be direct, resistant action. Yeah. And what's unfortunate is the press is more powerful together. But you have this favoritism for Fox News. And Fox News encouraging the hatred and yes. animosity. Largely, yes. Toward the mainstream media. And Jake Tapper, who we talk about a lot, JTAP, on CNN. JTAP. He was critical of the Obama administration. And we've talked about this a lot on transparency issues, things like that. Well, he was also critical of the administration when they treated Fox reporters unfairly. And yes. there were moments of this happening. Yeah. And he would come to their defense and say that it wasn't right. But then you have Sean Hannity who had a little graphic up on his show the other day of a uh, headstone with CNN, like yeah, they're dead. Right. And what the hell? So Jake Tapper defends Fox News when a Democratic president is in charge. And you do this when your guy's in charge? Right. Well, they, I'm sure they took the cover that he provided during the Obama administration, but they're not going to return the favor. It's There's very, no reciprocation whatsoever. It's very disappointing. Well, would you expect them to act honorably? There's only maybe five solid journalists over there at Fox News that are that are notable. Well, just because I'm not surprised doesn't mean that I <laughs> am not disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great distinction. Mm-hmm. So, in in light of all this, battling with the media, battling with the free press, the constitutionally protected free press, Donald Trump yesterday morning woke up and started attacking with vile, disgusting, personal attacks against Morning Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. We want to read you a statement just made by the President of the United States, and we want to warn you about its context uh, and content because it's cruel. Uh, in very unusual words from a president of the United States, and he's commenting on media figures here. I'm just going to read it to you. He goes, I heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of me. Don't watch anymore. Then how come low IQ Crazy Mika along with Psycho Joe came to Mar-a-Lago three nights in a row around New Year's Eve and insisted on joining me? She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. We've heard worse from him. And he still won the presidency as voters made a choice that between his opponent and him, they preferred him. 
And whenever you have a president win election, uh, doing whatever it is they did, they always figure that it worked, and so they're going to keep doing what works until it's proven that it doesn't work. Does it help him govern? No. Does it help him work with Democrats at some point? No. Um, but I don't think that w what we've seen from him indicates that that's really what he's interested in doing. I don't think that, given the tribal nature of our politics, that's what either of the parties are interested in doing. I would push back on that. Well, not even push back. I would add to that, that not only does it not help him work with Democrats, I think that it, it broadens the divide between him and Republicans. He's a harder character to work with because after this happened, these disgusting, what are turning out to be just lies, that's fucking libel. Those are slanderous comments. But now... Republicans even are coming out and in that very lazy, non-committal kind of way are taking issue with the tweets. Here's Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. You have been critical of the president when he has, you know, made some comments that you have felt are out of line. Are these comments out of line? Are you talking about this morning's tweet? Yeah, yeah I just saw it a little bit ago. Uh, obviously, I don't see that as an appropriate comment. I think, look, what we're trying to do around here is improve the tone and the civility of the debate. Uh, and this obviously doesn't help do that. And how do you get, get past that, though? I mean, I mean, you said very strong things on the campaign trail. Like I said, him. we're doing our jobs. Look at what we're doing today. We're keeping promises. We're bringing Kate's Law to the floor, and we're doing sanctuary cities today, just today. Yesterday, yesterday we did medical liability reform. So we're going to walk and chew gum at the same time. That means what our constituents care about, are we solving their problems? Are we doing what we said we would do when we campaigned and asked for this opportunity to serve? He doesn't care. Yeah, it's it's that's not a statement condemning the tweet. No, all of these reactions from Republican senators have been the same thing. I even Lindsey Graham, which was maybe the harshest. He just tweeted something like that. Those tweets are beneath the office. But. Yeah, I mean, you need to condemn him. It's indifference almost. It's yeah. they're apathetic. I don't know. It's happening so much, right, that they just are used to issuing these vague statements of disapproval. And then that's it. Well, that can't be it. It's not enough. You keep doing it. You keep saying, yeah, well, it's, you know, that's just, I guess, what's happening. Well, here's a Republican that actually did have something uh, to say negative about it and condemn. In the harshest words. When I first saw the tweet this morning, I was frankly disgusted. I thought to myself, this dude has got such a fixation with women and blood. What is wrong with him? And then you remember that this dude, this disgusting dude, is the president <laughs> of the United States. And you realize just how much he is diminishing the presidency of the United States. You realize that what he is doing is not just acting for Donald Trump. He's acting for all of us. He's acting for our president. And he is embarrassing. He is shameful. He is disgusting. And I'll say this about Republicans. I'm really tired of hearing words like disappointed, like disturbed, like I'm bothered, like I wish he wouldn't do it. It's time that somebody looks at the camera and looks at him and calls him up and says, listen, you crazy lunatic 70-year-old man, baby. Stop it. You are now the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, and you need to stop acting like a mean girl because we just won't take it. We won't vote with you. We won't work with you. I can't, I can't start talking about tax reform. I can't st start talking about health care reform because I can't get past the fact 
that we have a president who lacks the sufficient character. We have a president who is mean. We have a president who is nasty. We have a president who is immature, unstable, and just acts like a crazy person with anybody who attacks him because he's got thin skin and he is never going to pivot. And anybody around him, whether it's his daughter, his chief of staff, his wife, who I remind you had said her signature issue was going to be fighting against online bullying or any Republican on the Hill, stop enabling him. Confront this and confront this hard or it will never stop and it will embarrass all of us. It will take the presidency low, low, low. So I think the the most concerning thing for me is how much support he still gets for these these comments, right? Yeah. Anna Navarro is still an outlier, in terms of this reaction. And it's funny what she said, right? It's funny, haha. But it's also uh, pretty factual. Very, very, very poignant. This is a 71-year-old man who is the president of the United States. I mean, how many times do we have to say this? And I'm I'm seeing people react to these tweets with little ha-ha reactions on Facebook. The last time I saw the tweet, I can't see it anymore because I reported it on Twitter. So did I. It had like 50,000 likes... And 17,000 retweets or something. Yeah. These are people that think this is funny. And it's the same people who, whenever they show those campaign videos of Donald Trump saying, I'd like to punch him in the face. I just watch the reactions of the audience members. Oh, they, they love it. Yeah. These people that are like elderly laughing. Again, this is a 71-year-old man. Who aspired to be president of the United States. Who's tweeting about a woman getting a facelift and blood coming from her while he's in the white house. Right. I honestly, I, I, I typed things out yesterday to post on social media and I just couldn't do it. I started feeling very sad at the state of things that people think this is funny, that people are encouraging his behavior, that Kellyanne Conway is on Fox and friends saying that he hits back. Yeah. I don't understand what's happening because a grown man that is the president of the United States, this should not be this should not be something that we accept. Well, imagine if German Chancellor Angela Merkel was to tweet constantly about how some dude was bleeding from his bald head after he got his plugs put in. We wouldn't take that woman seriously. Yeah, she would be an international joke. Yes. And that is exactly what Donald Trump is. Our standing in the world right now has greatly diminished because he is president. There are only two nations on earth that think more highly of the United States as a result of his election. And that is Israel, because they're always on board with Republican administrations. And Russia, of fucking course, Russia. Well, let's bring this full circle and let's bring back into the picture Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And she was asked, of course, she was asked about this during a shockingly televised press briefing yesterday. And she said, again, this is more evidence of her being able to lie with with criminal precision, lie with a straight face. 
I think I've been pretty clear that when the president gets hit, he's going to hit back harder, which is what he did here today. Doesn't he have to meet a higher standard than cable news anchors? Sarah, doesn't he have to meet a higher standard than cable news anchors? Look, I, I don't think you can expect someone to be personally attacked day after day, minute by minute, and sit back. Look, the American people elected a fighter. They didn't elect somebody to sit back and do nothing. That's they, they knew what they were getting when they voted for Donald Trump, and he won overwhelmingly. She doesn't think that you can expect someone to just sit there when they're attacked day after day, minute after minute. Do you mean like President Barack Obama did in the face of scurrilous, racist lies that he wasn't even an American, that he was born in Kenya, propagated by Donald Trump? You mean like that? When President Obama took the high road day after day, month after month, not attacking, not tweeting like a fucking child. She does make a point that is inarguable, though, which is that people knew what they were voting for. Right. And I think that this is what upsets me so much is um, the people that that think this is funny and that laughed at it during the campaign and that still think it's funny and um, it's really embarrassing for this country. I do think, or maybe it's just my hope, that there are people who really hoped that he would flip the switch and become presidential because there was some talk of that during the campaign. It would be so easy. He'll be so presidential. You're going to be bored. (laughs) And I think that there's got to be a slice of his electorate, of his base, that are just like, God God damn, dude, come on. Get on with the business. Build your fucking hate wall. Repeal Obamacare. Do all the things, the shitty things you promised you would do. And stop tweeting basic cable news hosts. He is, just by virtue of his office, elevating their station. By tweeting them and tweeting about them. Goddamn. Seriously. So this morning, just just a, a couple hours ago, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, were, we, they had a little panel and they were talking about this incident. And the reason we're talking about this as much as we are is because there's a larger issue at stake here. And it doesn't just involve cyberbullying. It doesn't just involve harassment online. We're talking about a Nixonian type of harassment and blackmail. Of the media. That very well is happening here. And I think, I predict, if I'm to prognosticate, Mm. we're going to be finding out more about this type of behavior because Donald Trump is so fucking stupid, he can't help himself but let the cat out of the bag and open up Pandora's box to more investigation and more accounts of this type of behavior. I want to ask you guys about something else you published in the Washington Post piece this morning. It's something, again, we've talked about in private. You've never talked about on television, but I'm already getting a lot of questions about it. So I want to give you the chance to explain. I'll just read a quote. This year, top White House staff members warned that the National Enquirer was planning to publish a negative article about us unless we begged the president to have the story spiked. We ignored their desperate pleas. What exactly happened there to the extent you're comfortable talking about? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable talking. I mean, I, I think we have to talk about it now because it explains the relationship and his 
really strange obsession with this show, and in particular, it's really disturbing obsession with Mika. Um, we we got a we got a call that hey the National Enquirer is going to run a negative story against you guys, and it was um, you know. Uh, Donald is friends with, the president is friends with the guy that runs the National Enquirer. And they said, if you call the president up and you apologize for your coverage, uh, then he will pick up the phone and basically spike the story. I had, wow. I will just say three people at the very top of the administration calling me. And the response was like, are you kidding me? I don't know what they have. Run a story? I'm not going to do it. The calls kept coming and kept coming, and they were like, call. You need to call. Please call. So, Come on, Joe. Just pick up the phone and call him. It's blackmail. And let me explain what they were uh, threatening. Um, they were calling my children. They were calling close friends. You're talking about the mine. National Enquirer. And they were pinning the story on my ex-husband, who would absolutely never do that. So I knew immediately it was a lie and that they had nothing. And these calls uh, persisted for quite some time. And then Joe had the conversations that he had with the White House where they said, oh, this could go away. So I, I just want to be wow. very clear here. Wow. We, the National Enquirer is harassing your children, your, right. your daughters, who are teenagers. Yeah. And it's, and, you know. And, you're get, and then Joe, in turn, is getting calls from the White House. Saying, oh, by, the way, by the way, they're also, they're also, I was at Mika's house uh, uh, for a few minutes and came out, and there was a guy in a van that was just was staked out there watching. It was clear that he was from and it, a, a tabloid, and he said, it started asking questions. And then, after all this started to happen, that's when we started getting calls from the, the White House saying, if you call, wow. you yeah. need to call the president, and we'll And our response, we talking to my ex-husband, yeah. talking to Joe, talking to my kids, was, screw it, let them run it. Mm -hmm. Just go ahead and run <laughs> it. By the way, by the way they ended up We're running something. And, and they, they interviewed a guy who said, yeah, I've I seen him there for about a year. He comes in, he buys about, you know, three, three six packs of beer a week here in my store. I've never bought a beer. Uh, you can check it out. That's I'll be true. Gary Hart here. Follow me around. I've never bought a beer in my life. From a convenience store, right. from a bar. I wish it was Joe, what uh, you just said is, I don't want to talk about tweets anymore. Right. What you just said is... One of the most frightening things I've ever heard. Well, this is what we got. That basically, that this story is going to run unless you grovel to the president, and then the president will kill the story. But not just the story will run. We will stop harassing. We'll have no, national we'll stop harassing your children, children if you grovel to the president you know, of the United States. And, and what makes it even worse for them is Donald Trump called me during the campaign and bragged about his friend mm -hmm. who ran the National Enquirer. He said, and it always say. Have you seen the Ben Carson story? Have you seen the Ben Carson story? Have you seen that story in the Inquirer? And then he would talk about it. Did, did they do the JFK story too? I don't know if they did the JFK story too, but there were all these stories that were planted in the National Enquirer uh, for people that Donald Trump wanted to attack. And then he would talk about it on the campaign trail. So when we heard, he said, oh, so we've gone from campaign mode to now uh, trying to attack us. And of course, Go ahead. We were like 
the Ted Cruz JFK story was the National Enquirer. Oh, that yeah. his father was yeah. involved somehow. Yeah. So according to New York Magazine, um, Jared Kushner was involved in this. Yeah. Jared Kushner was texting Joe Scarborough saying that the tabloid story could be stopped if they apologized for their coverage of him within the first few months of his presidency. Wow. And the the story ran on June 5th entitled Joe and Mika TV Couples Sleazy Cheating Scandal. Yeah. This is blackmail. This is, listen, all this can go away if you just do X, Y, and Z. This is abuse of the office of the president. These are people who are on staff at the White House making calls during working hours on the citizen's dime. If you do this, the president of the United States will make this go away. Also, think about what this is, right? This is a gossip. This is unimportant. This is a TV commentator talking about Donald Trump, criticizing him on their morning show. Donald Trump obsessing about it. How many hours do you think he's obsessed about this? Oh, my God. And now other people are involved in his obsession. Jared Kushner, who's supposed to be doing something useful. He's secretary of everything. Is taking the time to text a political commentator to threaten them with a tabloid story. He's the president. There's nothing more important that is going on. It's all about him. He needs to protect himself. It is continued aggression and a war on the free press is what this is. So the National Enquirer has issued a statement to New York Magazine saying, quote, we have no knowledge of any discussions between the White House and Joe and Mika about our story and absolutely no involvement in those discussions. That doesn't mean that does not refute anything that they said. And whose word are you going to take for this? Donald Trump, the known liar, the serial fucking liar or Joe, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. I guess it comes down to that. Yeah, well, and I mean, this these methods sound very like Church of Scientology-esque. And yeah, I, with the following around. Yeah, and... Um, it is harassment. Of course. It's... If it's, I came out of my house and someone's out there in a van and they're waiting for me to come out and then they want to ask me a bunch of questions, it's, hey... What the fuck are you doing here, dude? Get out of here. Leave me alone. And if they're there at the direction of the president of the United States. Or people on behalf of him. All the same thing. Right. If he has the power to make that not happen. It's the same as uh, uh, directing it to happen. Yeah. And Joe Scarborough kept notes of all of this as it was happening. Very very Comey-esque. Yeah, similar to Comey. So it's not as though he's making this up now. In fact, he told people, um, executives at MSNBC, I believe, um, and kind of kept other people apprised of the situation. Yeah. In addition to the notes. So they that he would have backup, right? Because he knows who he's dealing with. Um, but Contemporaneous uh, corroboration. Yeah. So people are saying that this was a distraction. 
from a larger issue, which is related to voter suppression. So the Washington Post is running this article. President Trump's um, Election Integrity Commission is asking all 50 states to turn over all publicly available voter registration data, including highly sensitive information about voters' political affiliation, social security numbers, criminal history, and military status. Voting rights groups immediately pushed state governors to reject the request, saying it would put a massive trove of information in the hands of people who could not be trusted with it. The request was initiated by Commission Co-Chair Chris Kobach, the Secretary of State in Kansas, and a fervent believer that voter fraud is widespread, despite decades of evidence to the contrary. Decades of scientific research that it didn't happen. In Kansas, this guy championed the use of CrossCheck, which is a multi-state database of voter registration information that authorities use to check whether voters are registered in two states. The system works primarily by matching voters' names and dates of birth. If the same name and date of birth show up in voters' two states, the system flags them as possible double registrations. Which, it, which by the way, isn't illegal because it's not, it's not incumbent upon the voter to get their name off of the voter rolls from a previous state. Like when I moved from Idaho to California, it's not my job to unregister from Idaho, it's Idaho's job to take me off their rolls. Yeah, the problem is that researchers have found that the algorithm that this program uses, the matching algorithm, is highly inaccurate. Hmm. Uh, According to a working paper by researchers at Stanford, the University of Pennsylvania, Harvard, and Microsoft, you know, real dummies, Uh, (laughs) they found that cross-checks algorithm returns roughly 200 false positives for every one legitimate instance of double registration. Huh. That's not good. No. Also, this (laughs) Kobach guy, the Secretary of State of, of Kansas, one of the most blindly conservative insanely Republican states in the union. He has been sued several times. Right. So questions that people are asking. Um, Why is he building a nationwide database of voters? How will this data be used? And the concern is, is he planning some sort of unlawful voter purging system based on uh, the information that he's wanting to collect, right? Political affiliation, all of these things. Like, why are they trying to get all this information? The other thing that I worry about, what you're talking about, is far more important, far more nefarious. But what I'm worried about is Donald Trump then utilizing the information that the administration gets in the course of government work to because listen, data is everything. Accurate voter data is everything in American politics. And if they take that data and incorporate it into what they already have, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Unethical, maybe illegal. Right. To use that data that they get through this this maniac going state to state demanding their voter rolls. Well, also, don't forget that it was Donald Trump that created this commission. Yes. Because he still believes that three million people, illegal aliens, yeah. voted for president. Without evidence, by the way. And he won. He's pre- he's president, but he's still saying this. Right. So he created this commission. And is the commission's goal to disprove Donald Trump's claim? Of course not. <laughs> um, it seems like maybe the opposite, right? Well, that's the natural... <laughs> And I, I don't know if they should have a motivated goal. Right. 
They should go in with neutrality to just see what the findings are. Yeah, but but this guy that's in charge, that's running the show, that wants all this information, he sides with Donald Trump. He's politically motivated, certainly. He believes this is a serious problem. So people believe that because this happened yesterday, on the day that Donald Trump tweeted about ridiculous bullshit, that it is an attempt by President Bannon... Right. <laughs> to obscure the issue. Yeah. To uh, distract from what's going on with the, the voter data. Um, so everyone's paying attention to Morning Joe. Well, we're not. Every time this happens, we're going to look for the other thing. When he tries to distract, we'll talk about the distraction because it needs to be talked about. But we're not going to fail to talk about probably the real reason. We're going to look into this. We're going to post the Washington Post story on. Twitter and on the Facebook page. We should, well, I'll throw it in the show notes too for you. But we're, we're going to follow this because this is big and it's just developing now. It's important. It's the asshole of today. The NRA. The National Rifle Association. Yeah, so they released this propaganda video and... Scary propaganda video. Yeah, it's alarming because, you know, normally the NRA, their messaging seems to focus on being armed for a situation in which the government is too powerful and the citizens need to fight back, right? Yeah, it's been the narrative for uh, eight years. And this propaganda video... Uh, takes a different approach and aims uh, its hatred and anger at um, fellow citizens. Now, I'm going to play the audio. There's video that it's attached to it. We'll probably put this on the Facebook page too. But imagine very scary imagery of rioting, almost a dystopian type of environment here in the United States while this woman is talking. They use their media to assassinate real news. They use their schools to teach children that their president is another Hitler. They use their movie stars and singers and comedy shows and award shows to repeat their narrative over and over again. And then they use their ex-president to endorse the resistance, all to make them march, make them protest, make them scream racism and sexism and xenophobia and homophobia, to smash windows, burn cars, shut down interstates and airports, bully and terrorize the law-abiding, until the only option left is for the police to do their jobs and stop the madness. And when that happens, they'll use it as an excuse for their outrage. The only way we stop this, the only way we save our country and our freedom is to fight this violence of lies with the clenched fist of truth. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Did you hear some of that language? God damn. The only way to fight this violence of lies. Violence of lies? <laughs> also, when you watch the video, they're, they're painting a picture that every Democrat who's a part of the resistance against Trump is a part of Antifa. Yeah. Setting cars on fire and burning trash cans and throwing bricks through windows. When that is, to say it's a minuscule percentage of the population 
is an understatement of the highest order. Yeah, well, I think it's funny because aren't liberals snowflakes? Right. Wait, are they snowflakes or are they about to burn shit down? And the problem with this is that it's not just political advocacy because this group's intent, their mission is to arm the citizens. So in this case, what are they arming them against? They're arming them against liberals. They're arming them against Democrats. What? <laughs> this, is a, this is a next step in, in ratcheting up fear in their particular constituency. I don't know if you caught it, but um, she said using their ex-president. Yeah. Not our ex-president. Right. Their ex-president. And to assassinate. They're using very incendiary language. L- language with specific meaning. To assassinate the real news. Yeah, well, this video is going to go a long way toward bridging the gap and the divide in this country and really helping. It's going to be really beneficial. So NRA, maybe every day, I think every asshole of the day is probably every day, but uh, NRA today is definitely the asshole of today. So with that good news, everybody, we're going to leave you there. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. Listen, if you would like to support the show and help us get toward our goal of a third episode per week, we would love to have you in our Patreon family. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon or dollamore.com slash PayPal. And those are two very viable ways to support the show with, you know, your very appreciated hard-earned dollars. We're trying to make a difference here. We're trying to move the conversation forward. And it is with your help through both phone calls and listening to the show, but also your financial support that we do it. So we love you guys. Thank you. We appreciate you. And until next time, when we'll see you then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. It doesn't have a death threat, but... uh, (laughs) We'll get to that. Wow. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.